From the Cairo Radio Newsroom in Seattle, I'm Dave Ross, and these are the Ross Files. There was a survey done which resulted in a shocking statistic, to me anyway. It concluded that 44% of U.S. physicians reported at least one symptom of burnout in 2017. And that's actually down from what it was in 2014, but still a, a huge number. And burnout's nothing new. A lot of people experience burnout. But if it's your doctor, that gets a little scary. And so I have in the studio Dr. Carrie Rose, who is a physician. And, and what's, what's, your, uh, what's your practice? I'm a family practice physician. Family practice. And you have experienced burnout, uh, not only in your own career, but uh, in colleagues as well. And I know it's difficult to, to talk about because sometimes it's, it's actually led to suicide, which is terrible. So why is it that 44% burnout is considered an improvement? Why is the rate so high? Well, I'd have to say there's, there's multiple factors. Um, I know for myself, uh, I went into medicine with a very strong purpose. I wanted to take care of patients, and that's what I love to do when I'm sitting with a patient I want to give that patient my full attention. And that's what they're there for. That's what they deserve. That's what I want to do. The reality, however, is that uh, usually I have about 15 minutes scheduled with a patient. Um, I have two other patients waiting for me while I'm seeing that patient. I may be aware of that in the back of my head. And then, you know, because of the electronic medical record now, we have these uh, administrative tasks which involve answering emails, reviewing all the lab results. So we just, we really can't keep up. And, and at some point, we're just drawn in so many different directions that we can't really provide the care that we feel is best for the patient. And has that changed? Is that a, a recent thing when you first started? Was it like that? So I started practice in 2002, and it was like that since I started. Mm-hmm. Um, it was not always like that. Well, I can remember as a kid, seeing the family doctor would be half hour, sometimes an hour, and it was it was pretty leisurely. We were typically the only people in the waiting room, maybe one other person, and that was it. Yeah, and so you know, now you walk into the waiting room of of my office, and you know, there's probably you know ten, fifteen patients sitting there waiting to be seen. Um, most of the doctors are. We're just working as fast as we can. We're working at a very rapid pace trying to keep up with the volume of patients. And some of that is, you know, financial demands on the practice. You know, we have to see a certain number of patients to to make ends meet. Do you work for yourself? Are you part of a hospital? Or? I'm, I'm part of a larger medical group, yeah. but we're really no different than, than any other group. And I think that's really where we need to get back to is, is medicine needs to be about, about the patient and about uh, taking care of the patient and not about the financial piece. But it has to be about finance because some people can't afford to pay for their medical care. And so when that happens, we as a society have decided we've got to do something about that. And that's when we get into insurance and maybe even some kind of nationalized health care. And the moment you start talking about taxpayer money, people want it to be accounted for. Absolutely. And, and absolutely. so you guys got to sit in front of the computer and, and enter all the data. It's absolutely true. And I'm, def- I'm not the expert in figuring out the ins and outs of that. But I do know that across the country, there are systems that are looking at how can we take better care of doctors? And and what you're seeing, especially from this article now, is that that actually is a good investment. Mm-hmm. That you know there we may be, we may think that we're, um, you know, doing uh, ourselves 
a service financially by seeing more patients and keeping the doctors as busy as possible and, you know, working doctors very hard when, in fact, that may actually be in the long run losing money yeah. because you're losing doctors' hours. Doctors are cutting back their hours. They are they're turning over up. Yeah. They're retiring early. And, in fact, you know, one of the big pieces that you referenced earlier is – you know, these are also doctors' lives. I mean, they're cutting their hours. They may be retiring. They may be looking at other careers. But there are also a lot of doctors that are committing suicide. The rate of suicide among physicians is the highest among any other profession. And and people really need to know that. And, and I think we need to really start a conversation about that. When did you begin to feel burnout? Well, I think it was probably somewhere in the first five years of my career when I would get to work and I would have a little bit of a sense of dread of how my day was going to go because you never you never know what's going to happen. You know, people people are sick and, and you just never know what's going to be presented with you and you never know what's going to sort of throw you off your schedule, um, maybe put you an hour behind schedule. I'd say exhaustion was probably the primary thing I, I was experiencing. Um, and, you know, when I talk to my colleagues, I think, you know, I hear people talk about exhaustion. You know, you get to the end of your day you may have seen 20 patients that day. You've been working straight. I mean, most of us don't really take a lunch break. We'll sit and, you know, work through lunch, doing charting, paperwork, catching up. You know, you get home, you have dinner with your family, and then you go back on the computer for another two to three hours to catch up on the rest so of the just, work. So it's just never ending. It's kind of never ending. And I think that's, people talk about the loss of autonomy and the loss of purpose. You're caught up in having to do so many tasks and, and you know, all of these administrative, clerical type of duties. Well, you know, I've watched a lot of doctor shows on TV. Mm-hmm. And I know from that that during uh, medical school, as a resident, you're forced to work these 24-hour shifts as a way of, I guess, toughening you up for the very environment you were describing. Is, is that not working? Well, there's there's a lot of controversy in that area. And um, I yes, when I was in medical school, I worked, uh, I re- recall one rotation where I, as a medical student, I worked uh, 36 hours at a time. I would go home. 36 hours at a 36 time? 36 hours straight. I would go home. I would sleep for however many hours I could. And then I would be back the next day. And I did that for a solid month. And I that was me. The residents were actually working more hours. So they basically lived in the hospital. They never went home. And, you know, we we spend basically our entire 20s. You know, most of us go into medical school when we're in our 20s. And we don't really, most of us don't finish our training until we're, you know, in our late 20s, early 30s. So we've basically spent that entire decade of our lives working long hours. We really have no personal lives. And, you know, and then there's an energy, uh, there's an ethos within the medical System And it's particularly within training communities where you sacrifice yourself for your work, for your patients. You don't yeah. talk about you how you complain. feel. You don't complain. You yeah. don't uh, because, you know, there's there's a little bit of a, uh, of a like culture. Like the Marine Corps. It's like the Marine Corps. There's a culture <laughs> of you're tough. You don't talk about how you feel. You don't uh, you don't complain. That's one of the things that I think is really a problem within the culture of medicine is that we're not allowed to talk about our struggles. We're not we we feel uh, worried about the the repercussions uh, if we do talk about what it's like to feel a sense of uh, disconnection from your purpose, from your job, to have some anxiety, to have some sleeplessness. Well, I mean, the American Medical Association ran this study, so they're clearly trying to pull this issue out of the closet. And there is no health care without you guys. I mean, 
you make it sound like you don't have control over this. If if doctors decide that this is a bad system, can't doctors change it? You know, you'd think that we could, but really doctors are not in control of the system right now. Um, if you look at the growth of physicians versus the growth of administrators within the healthcare system in the last you know, 20 to 30 years, the the number of administrators has grown exponentially where the number of physicians has had very, very slow growth. And so, you know, what you're looking at is you're looking at a, a shortage of doctors and tremendous demands being put on these doctors. And I do think that some of these big organizations like the American Medical Association are taking note of that. And they're seeing that there is a really deep problem within the culture of medicine, within the system of medicine, how things are being run that it's not sustainable for doctors, and it's really not sustainable for the medical system in general. And really, you know, in the end, who's suffering are are the patients, because patients want good quality care from a well-rested, happy, engaged doctor. And I know there's a lot happening out in, in systems all across the country. They're trying physician wellness programs. Um, I know that my practice is starting to look at some different uh, delivery structures so that the physician has more time with the patient. Um, so there's a lot being done. Um, I think that, you know, it's just in its infancy. What this report seems to indicate is that in an attempt to cut medical costs, what they have done is create so much stress among doctors that the opposite is happening, that because of burnout, you're having more turnover, not just doctors, but nurses as well. And it's costing well, there's a number on it, but it's billions a year. I mean, it's it's a, it's a huge yes. amount of money. And I guess the reason the AMA is putting this report out is because with the numbers is because that is what gets through to administrators these days. If they see if they see that what they're doing is backfiring and actually costing more rather than less. It's true. You know, I think a lot of folks see that this is a way to save money. It's a way to keep the system afloat by pushing doctors to work harder and harder. But what they're showing is that in the end, they're actually they're losing money yeah. uh, just because of the doctor turnover and the cost. But I think the other point that, you know, that I really appreciated in what was written, you know, subsequent to this piece was the, was these are lives. You know, for every doctor that they put a number on, that's a family. That's a, you know, that's an individual's yeah. life that is yeah, They that put is a suffering. dollar amount on the patients, too, speaking as a patient. Yeah, you know, they we, do. We all have our price. Yeah, and we're, and we're human beings. And I think that's really, we all want to be treated as human beings and as you yeah. know, as important and not as a as a dollar figure. But aren't a lot of the administrators doctors themselves? Uh, it's a mix. Some are doctors and some are folks who have had training in the um, economics of healthcare mm-hmm. um, and and running systems. But so, they should, but but they should understand this. It's not like they're they're totally. It's not like they're taken from the soft drink industry and plopped in a hospital, right? No, I mean, no, they, I I don't think they are. Um, I do think that uh, there are administrators who have experience seeing patients, but I do think there are a fair amount who have never worked in a clinic, have never experienced what it's like to be a frontline caregiver day to day, and so may not have an appreciation for that. Mm-hmm. And I'm not an administrator, and I can't speak for administrators, but but that is my impression. Okay. We haven't talked much about your own burnout case, and I want to respect your privacy, but obviously you seem to be feeling okay now. Is that fair to say? Oh, yes, yes. What, what is it that helped you? I mean, if you found yourself facing 20 patients a day, could you tell the physician's group, uh, I'd like to cut that, uh, cut that down to 15 or 10 or whatever it is? 
You know, um, my my group is very supportive. So I think if I went to them and said, you know, I would like to see less patients in a day, they they would certainly support that. Um, you know, the the reason that I often don't do that is because if I cut again, it, it gets back to this financial piece. If I cut back on the number of patients that I'm seeing. The demand doesn't go away. Right. And so what then happens is all of those patients, all that extra load will fall on my partners, um, the other doctors that are my colleagues who I adore. And I don't want them to yeah. have to pick up a load that I'm, you know, that I'm handing off. Let me ask you this. Is there something that we as patients could do to help you? Like maybe, I don't know, not coming in for silly things. I don't know. You know, I don't think so. I think that as a patient, you shouldn't worry about that. Patients don't have medical training. So, you know, I would never ask you as my patient to try to make a decision about what's right. the right thing to call about. But I'll admit not. a couple of times I've come in for things because when I felt the symptom, I looked it up on the web. There was a scary story associated with it. And so I said, my gosh, I'd better see the doctor. And he looked at me and he said, you're fine. Yes. Right? Yes. That is true. And and that is <laughs> that's a whole other topic we could probably spend a lot of time on. But Dr. Google is uh, is a big part of my practice, and I spend a lot of time yeah. uh, collaborating and uh, and talking patients down uh, from what they've learned online. So, and, and honestly, um, that's not the biggest problem that I deal with. Um, you know, people come in, I would say the, the bulk of patients are respectful, and they come in for really good reasons, really legitimate reasons. And and, you know, what we're dealing with is we're dealing with not enough doctors. <clears throat> we're dealing with doctors who are just really, really working so hard trying to keep up and trying to take care of the, the enormous load of, of patients that, that need t- taken care of. And so, you know, I would certainly never ask somebody to try to make that decision themselves. I, I do actually, I do recommend to my patients that they not look online, but it never happens. Everybody looks online. Right. I, I look online. I mean, it's just, you know, you it's there. Online. It's easy, you know, um, you know, so sometimes. The patient, <laughs> patient comes in complaining something, say, wait, let me check my phone. Yeah, no, no, not not in that <laughs> in that situation. But, you know, you have a certain curiosity about what your patient is going to be uh, reading oh, about right. on the web. And so it's it helps, it behooves me to keep up with uh, with what Dr. Google is, is saying. So given all the pressure put on to you by private administrators, would it be better if you were working for the government instead? I, I, I honestly, I don't know the answer to yeah. that question. I think that, I think that most, most physicians are more or less in the same boat that I'm in, where we are seeing a large volume of patients in a short amount of time. And, and that's really the bottom line. And, and the only way that I get paid is if the patient is physically in front of me in the office. And there are systems where they're trying to build in more phone consults and email consults. And, yeah. I, and I think those are great ideas. I think they just need to be built into the doctor's schedule so the doctor has the time built in and is not doing it in between patients or after hours when they get home at night because that's just not sustainable. And that's really, I don't have autonomy over that. Like right now I go to work and, and you know, the the systems are are set uh, for the way I'm supposed to practice. And, you know, for me to step back from that and say, I'm not going to practice this way would then just transfer that load onto somebody else. And, and that's just not something that I feel comfortable doing. So you're going to stick with it. So I'm sticking with it, but I, you know, but I'm sitting here and I'm talking about it because, you know, what I do know is that if, if doctors feel cared about, if they feel respected, if they feel autonomy in their day, if they feel a sense of purpose, you are going to get the best care from that doctor. Part of what's so 
challenging is that these are people's lives. You know, you have a patient coming in with a headache. You don't know as a primary care doc if that person with a headache has job stress, they have insomnia, they have depression, and that's why they have a headache, or they have a brain tumor. And so you're sitting there with the patient in that 15-minute slot, and you have to spend that time, you know, really making that call. And we are trained to do that, and we're very good at it. But to try to brush that in a 15-minute visit, yeah, that's really tough. Dr. Carrie Rose, family practice physician, thank you very much. You're very welcome. Thank you so much. Remember that when there's a longer version of the interviews on Seattle's Morning News, you can usually find it right here in the original form, unconstrained by the limitations of a live broadcast. And you can subscribe so that when someone says, did you hear what was on Seattle's Morning News, you can say, not only that, I heard the part that wasn't on Seattle's Morning News. So my advice is to subscribe. And then when we talk to an author, a politician, an entrepreneur, an artist, a scientist, a teacher, a journalist, a celebrity, you'll hear every word. I'm Dave Ross. Thanks for tuning in.